Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. I am really excited to introduce all of you to Gail Swift. She is the owner of Plans to Prosper Coaching, and she is based out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Thanks for coming on, Gail. It is such a pleasure to be here, Emily. Thank you for having me. Sure. Well, you have such wonderful advice for parents who have kids who need to physically interact with their world. So these are very hands-on problem solvers. They are tactile, haptic, kinesthetic. You know, those are a lot of the words that we tend to use for these kids. And those are good descriptors for your own boys. So uh, we're going we're gonna to just take a deep dive and help those parents out there who have those kinds of kids. And you've done a marvelous job in your family coming up with some just really practical strategies and ways of accommodating their needs. So let's just let's dive right in and kick off our conversation with you sharing some examples of what this wonderful hands-on talent looks like in your boys. <laughs> I have two boys. They're one just turned 13 and the other one is 15. And my husband and I you know, it's interesting because when parents have this talent of being hands-on, clearly it is easier to foster and administer that and see that in their kids. But I believe that there's a big difference when you don't have that particular gift oh, yeah. of being hands-on. And then if you have kids that are hands-on and it's, you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And that's me. I'll raise my hand because we were we talked previously about my youngest is that hands-on kiddo and I'm conceptual. I really avoid having to play with the build type toys and constructing and you know, I've always um veered away from those types of types of activities. So you are spot on. It definitely takes more work when your child and this is true of any kind of talent, if you're different from your child, it, it can take a little bit more work in understanding how to relate to them and, and most importantly, to meet their needs. It does. Yes, you're right. And I think what we both have in common, and that seems so paramount to having this gift fostered and not squelched is the respect. So when Tyler has this gift more than anyone else in the family, and when he was little, you know, he wouldn't say much. He would quite frankly just push people aside to do what he needed to do. And I mean, physically, because he saw the way he was going to build or construct or get his hands on things, I didn't see it. And there wasn't a lot of communicating. Hey, mom, I'm going to do this with this piece of clay, wood, whatever the case may be, he would just do it. And so I would think to myself, wait a minute, there needs to be some communication if you want to use that butcher knife to cut something <laughs> or if you want to get, right? You want to get those big scissors to cut something. And at a very early age, I know this sounds so 
radical, but he would go for the knives and he'd want to cut up an apple or he'd want to cut carrots. And I'm talking like two or three years old and he kept doing it. And so I thought, you know what, I'm, this is where, this is where the rubber meets the road. So if you see, I saw my child going for this big chef's knife that was like the size of his head over and over and over again. And I thought, why not teach him how to be safe with it? instead of taking it away all the time. And I did. And so I would teach him how to hold his fingers and feel the knife on his the, the finger so he doesn't lose a finger, so he hides his digits from the blade. And Emily, he did that ever since. So much so to when he was making steak fajitas a couple of weeks ago, I was not cutting the meat thin enough. So he used his words and he said, mom, you know what? You can be my sous chef. You're not doing it right is what he would say. (laughs) I'm going to cut the meat smaller. And so I would let him. And that shows up now with, I mean, baking. And now that there's a lot of time on our hands, he has a budget and he just continues to create and use things with his hands. I'm going to give you one more example of this talent that happened recently. We had a dead tree in our backyard. And I know I sent you a picture of this. I, when I grew up, I was, I wore gloves. My dad always wore gloves when working in the yard and chopping things and mowing. And this is how you keep your hands clean because I don't have this gift that Tyler has, right? My 13 year old. And so he's, he said, well, mom, I'll, cut the tree down. Do you want me to dig out the stump? I, well, sure, buddy, that would be fantastic. And so he cut the tree down. He started to dig out the stump. And I noticed that he was in dirt up to his elbows. It was everywhere. He was covered in dirt. And I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't get him the gloves. And I opened the door and I said, Tyler, I said, how about some gloves, buddy? And he said, Mom, I really like the way the dirt feels on my hands. And wow. if, if I hadn't known about that gift that he has, I would have bulldozed my way into the way I used to do things and not allowed him to feel the dirt on his hands. So with that freedom, he continued to dig out the stump for another hour. So had I made him wear gloves, maybe he would have stopped in five minutes. I don't know. And it seems so little, but it's really a big deal because that was, you know, a big aha for you, right? And recognizing, oh, he needs something different. And for him, he really needs to to feel things, right? The texture matters. And I'm sure that's been a theme throughout his entire life. And um, I think you've talked a lot about how he's drawn towards even stuffed animals or soft materials and fabrics in his room and his his space. What What is in his space really matters. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, it's so funny because I am in his space right now. So this this is funny. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes kids have so many stuffed animals and parents can get logical. Like, do you really need another stuffed animal? Like, don't you have enough? And no is the answer to a person with this talent because there are different 
variations of fluffies, we call them. And (laughs) I know that sounds funny, but he has a rabbit that I bought him, like that backpack keychain that the kids put on their backpacks. And it is a fluffy rabbit. And he loves, especially in school, when he has the ability to get his hands on it and kind of mess with it and feel it, it relaxes him, Emily. He's comfortable with that. And the other thing I recognize is he has a burrito blanket that is lightweight and it's getting warm. And so what he does is he puts that burrito blanket around like a cape and he'll use potato chip clips to keep it locked in front. And a good day for him is when he says he can wear his cape and his underwear all day long. <laughs> oh no, he's, and this is now being publicly recorded, right? So we're totally outing him. Um, yes. As, uh, <laughs> yes. We can, we can use this as, as blackmail later, but uh, I, I understand that though, Tyler. And actually on that note, sometimes these kiddos or a lot of times they, they're very particular about the types of fabrics of their clothing. So texture, I mean, they, it, I mean, my son will downright refuse to wear an article of clothing. And not because he's being defiant. It's, it's His motive is not to, you know, push against a rule. Uh, it's that he really detests that material. And that also helped me to understand he's not being bad. He's just trying to tell me something. I mean, have you seen that as well? Oh, you know, you bring up a good point because materials, don't they come in all shapes and sizes? I remember seeing this gift and I thought it would be fantastic to take him to Home Depot because of course the first Saturday of every month there's a project. However, with Tyler, the birdhouse was so, he would say cheap and flimsy that he didn't even want to engage anymore and was irritated that it was so easy and that it was like particle board and cheap material. So I remember, I mean, it's very important to him to have quality things around him, things that are feel good to him. Like you said, not judging what that is for any particular person with this gift, but we went in Home Depot and it was around, it was around Halloween. It was in October and he wanted to be a construction worker for Halloween. And my husband thought it would be a good idea. He could wear one of those Home Depot aprons that have the different pockets. And I said, Tyler, let's go over and check out the belts. Let's check out the construction belts. And I remember that he looked at one and it was $34 and it was really good leather. There was a spot for the hammer and a spot for the screwdriver and there were pouches, and it was well-made, solid buckle, and he put his hand on it, and he saw the price, and he kind of took his hand off because he thought that that would be too much. And I picked it up, and he's like, Mom, really? But I'm only 11. Am I ready for that? I said, Tyler, you were born ready for this, and this is just your first one. You're going to go through many of these when you're going to build houses and build people's dreams for them. 
And he stopped and he held that, Emily, and he like, he just squeezed it and he smelled the leather. And he's so proud of that. And he loves wearing it, especially when he's fixing things. So materials, like you said, they do matter. Absolutely. And it's interesting because even when he was considering purchasing it, he put his hand on it. Mm-hmm. So yes. these are kids that interpret their world by feeling and touching, especially when they're really young. And it's tempting, you know, when, when we're in a store with young kids, right? What do we say? Don't touch. Don't mm-hmm. touch. Mm-hmm. And what's what's powerful, though, in, about this group of kids are really folks of any age, but when they have that innate ability, they actually, by their very nature, touch with care. And so that was that's an interesting and helpful thing for me to understand. So like you started with the knives, right? And instead of saying, don't, how can I teach you to touch carefully, right? How can we foster that need and do it safely? And develop that. But I I find it just so interesting that as he was deciding on what to select, he needed to feel it, Mm. smell it, right? Mm -hmm. So we've been very careful to use the word talent and gift, right, throughout this conversation so far. But you and I have seen how this talent can be misunderstood. How and why does that happen? This is a very misunderstood talent. And I, I, I'm hesitant because I could get emotional and I could get on a bit of a rant about this. But this talent, my, my parents, my family, um, this talent has been more of a hobby. Like we can use this in a hobby, this isn't our primary way of doing anything productive. This is a side journey that won't necessarily bring you any satisfaction financially in life. We're going to kind of discount this because we need to be, you know, obviously in education and sit still and turn in your work on time and follow the outline appropriately. And when I recognize this talent, in Tyler. He was in probably third grade or fourth grade. And there were many teachers um, who I had notes from saying that he was unable to sit still and unable to keep his hands off of other kids in circle time. And over the course of the moments of calls, it was implied that there was something wrong with him that this wasn't acceptable. And that obviously as a mom is very frustrating because you know that there's everything right about that talent. And so to work with options and the educational system had my child more than I did at the time. So I needed to work with them and explain out in front of them say, this is what he needs to do to be successful in learning, in doing the outline, in hearing the instruction appropriately. So Tyler and I and the teachers would work together on things that he could do, fix desks, change 
clocks when they needed to, change light bulbs, be the go-to person, the handy kid when something was broken. And so that is how he used his talents. It took a little bit of time, but then eventually other teachers would call him and say, you know what, Tyler has fixed this before. Let's circle back and get him into this. And so he would. So it's important to recognize that there are outlets and I'll tell you that he bounces on a ball for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I know I've showed you that. And people are irritated because they say, well, why can't he sit still? I said, well, he can. He can, but he prefers bouncing. He can sit still, not for as long as you or I can, but he can. And the other thing, the rant that in my head, I got, I got a little ahead of myself. Let's take this 25 years from now, Emily. His career, his career, whether it's a smoke jumper, whether it's a marine mammal trainer, a construction worker, he will make money doing what he does best, absolutely doing what he does best. And, excuse me, the, ele the electrician or the plumber or whatever it is, but the whole stigmatism with the blue collar and white collar thing, I absolutely have no room for that. In my, in my head and in my life right now, because, <clears throat> excuse me, raising my sons to be contributors, in my opinion, is recognizing what their value is and how they contribute that. And my job as a mom is to foster that and bring that out because you are contributing your gifts to serve others. And who am I to get in the way to say, this is how it's done. This is what you need to do. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So when other moms look at me like your son's going to be in construction and you're okay with that, <laughs> you bet your sweet bippy I am because he's going to be building your summer home and he's going to be installing your custom cabinetry <laughs> and you're going to love it <laughs> because it's going to be quality. And I know that about him. So oh, yeah. That's my rant. <laughs> no, and it's a good one. And, and you said so many important things, uh, you know, just to unpack some of that. Yes, unfortunately, because those tactile kids tend to be fidgetier and they have a hard time sitting still and need to touch and feel, they're often misdiagnosed as having some sort of disorder right? Hyperactivity. Mm -hmm. um, that's clearly a challenge, especially for a parent who sees the ability and is frustrated by that being labeled a disability. And, you know, it, it is true that a lot of times that talent is being set, you know, that's what you do in your free time, you know, when you tinker, but now we need to sit and do school or now we need to focus and get a real job. And that certainly is a major challenge for these kinds of folks. I mean, this traditional educational path is not necessarily for them. And this has nothing to do with their intelligence. Right. Um, they may be the smartest of all of us, but the way they translate that is in a really physical way, which also is how they learn. And one other myth I think is important to dispel is um, a lot of people think that men are the hands-on, right? So boys, men, right? They have all the gifts for being the handy men, right? And mm -hmm. girls, not so much. So what do you say to that? Mm, I, I call BS on that. 
So <laughs> I call BS on that. And this is such a good point. I, I definitely am familiar. I can circle back to the medication thing. I want to circle back on that because had it not been for my knowledge of his gifts and abilities that we're calling them, Tyler has the same gifts that I had when I was young. And I was put on medication when I was five to focus and to get a grip, so to speak. <laughs> so make no mistake, he would have been on medication, hands down, unequivocally, no questions asked, if I did not know his innate talents. Absolutely, Emily, absolutely. So the girls that have this talent as well, you know, I notice it comes across sometimes in different ways, and they're not as, it, they would love to be able to color their hair or maybe that they love designing, um, creativity. They like working with dad under the motorcycle or the snowmobile, getting a hammer, creating things physically with paint or clay or sculpting, physically getting their hands on things. But Emily, my dad did not have this gift. And as many people that expect men to be handymen, there are just as many that aren't. So it exactly. is it is not a given that a man knows how or has the innate talent to fix or produce everything with his hands. It's just, that's just not the way it works. So if equally, there are females that have the same gifts in this department that males do. So it, it does not differentiate between male and female. It is a universal gift that some people are blessed to have. I don't have it. I wish I had more, more of it, but I do have the insight to see when other people have it. And Emily, Tyler got us off the top of a mountain when we were lost. He, he has an ability. And if, my, if he was a daughter, I mean, my daughter would have the ability to say, you know what, mom, this doesn't, this isn't right. I mean, he was 10. And he said, we need to go the other direction. So the whole family listened to him because he is the only one that has this gift. And he got us off of the mountain. He was 10. Again, people are saying, they would say, Gail, why would you listen to your 10-year-old? And I said, because <laughs> it's not an age thing. It's an ability thing. Just because he's 10 doesn't mean he's any more or less capable of solving a problem than I am. And I know in this particular area, I am not gifted and he is. So we rely on the strength of who's gifted in the area to solve the problem. Exactly. And he has this great way with navigation, right? Which yes. is also true of, of kids or folks of any age with this gift. They tend to be better at navigating situations, particularly when they're outdoors. Mm -hmm. So there's a quote from Ben Franklin. That says, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I learn. And I feel like that quote really suits this group of kids. How do you see that playing out for your boys? And as an add-on to that question, how have you used that thought process to advocate for them in the school system? Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. And 
there could be all sorts of, I, I believe there could be many more components to that question than raw talent. There could be many more components. If you're dealing with an outgoing person or an introvert, when I have a tendency to show my kids, it is interesting when they come alongside and want to do it or they're observing me. And if they want to take over what I'm doing, if they want to take the thing out of my hand or if they want to, if they're like, mom, I got it. You've showed me enough. I'll let them do it. I'll let them do it. And often they think they didn't do it right. And I'll say, you know what? That is a fantastic job. That was your first time doing that. What would you do differently next time? How would you do it again? And so when they can think that way, that this isn't the end because it looks different, then they'll get back and they'll do it again. And then they'll think of other things that I've never thought of before. So the showing part, obviously, Tyler, my 13-year-old, is more involved in the showing. It shows up with my 15-year-old. He has this talent in taking apart and putting together computers. So that talent shows up in knowing what part goes where and how to build a stronger PC that, again, I would never in a million years know how to do. But he does it physically. He needs to get his hands on things and he builds it that way. And I can't show him that. So you know what he did, Emily, is he figured out someone he made a friend who could. Mm -hmm. And so he came over and he showed him. Yes. Yeah, and I think that showed part is is critical here because these kids need to demonstrate as mm -hmm. a way of showing their knowledge of something, but also they learn through demonstration. So, you know, show me, don't tell me, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's one of the ways that we can advocate for them in school is to ask for a more hands-on teacher or uh, suggest ways that they can build a prototype or model something out or have opportunities to handle materials or, um, you know, maybe even draw out something. Because it can be difficult for these kids to only learn with book learning or lectures, right? They're, that's all very conceptual and abstract. There's, there's nothing very concrete about that. And to the extent that they don't have those opportunities in school, it's really helpful to take that kiddo to the museum so they can see, um, you know, a model of a pumping heart, so they can see a Civil War rifle, right? And that, and maybe you've seen this in your own kids, it's like that's when the light bulb goes on, right? That's when you can see how it it's really sunk in when they can uh, you know, have, again, that, that tangible representation of an idea, and, and they really learn by doing. Well, Tyler was having trouble in geometry this year. He was not understanding the concepts. So the teacher and I got together and did a little brainstorming, and I said, if he could if you would give him the ability to construct something geometrically, talk about the angles, and so she came up with the idea with Tyler to build a catapult. And Whoa, that cool. it totally worked. 
So not only was Tyler on board with building and creating the catapult, but the the geometric equations that the teacher, the math teacher, got out of helping Tyler build that was far beyond anything she could have done on a whiteboard. And then Tyler started asking questions, physics questions about speed and velocity and what they could use in the catapult in the springs. And so then isn't it interesting that when you put something in front of them that you think might be a toy, it is so educational. And then the kids, Tyler especially, started getting more involved. And then he involved his friends. He's like, hey, let's get this and see what happens and see how far it can go and why. Why did that happen? So it became not only a math problem, but science and physics and all sorts of stuff, even weather related, because they were in the wind one particular day. So you're right about that. Absolutely. Well, Gail, your boys are so lucky to have you as a mom. And I I get to hear about all the kinds of adventures you all get into and the neat things that you do, like giving them exercise balls around the house to sit on instead of chairs that, you know, you go to great lengths to accommodate their needs and you do um, so much great coaching for other people of all ages on the same topic. So thanks for all you do. And thanks for being on the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Emily, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.